good Thursday afternoon, guys. I'm Jerry Miller. Welcome to the I Love Siebel Show. Thank you kindly for joining us live in Charlottesville from the Macklin Building on Market Street. In our I Love Seville studio, today's show presented by Scott Wagner of Scott Wagner Integrated Medicine. Dr. Wagner has your back. His clinic, Scott Wagner Integrated Medicine, changing people's lives through innovative healthcare strategies. A lot to cover on today's show. Take a look at the screen. You'll see the rundown, the talking points, the foundation of today's program. There's an assistant principal at Western Admiral High School that is now out of work. Not only is he out of work, he's been charged uh, with two counts of causing or encouraging acts, rendering children delinquent, abused, etc. He basically allowed students at Western Admiral High School to leave the grounds of Western Admiral High School in a vehicle despite knowing the student that was driving the vehicle was drunk. An assistant principal... At Western Admiral High School, you can make a strong argument from a performance or statistical standpoint. Western, of the three Admiral High Schools, may be performing at the top clip educationally. This school, which has been a, um, a real driver of, of buying homes in Crozet as people sprint families, to the Western Admiral School District for the Merriweather or the Murray or the Brownsville Henley Western Track Elementary Middle High School is in the crossfire. And Admiral County Public Schools in the crossfire yet again. Um, I feel like this year we've we've really been referencing the police getting involved in Admiral County Public Schools in a number of different circumstances. We had last fall the JV um, alleged assault in the locker room, and we find later, after first relaying this information to you, the community, through the I Love Seville network, that, that students were charged for this JV football locker room assault. Now we have a vice principal who is not only out of a job, but a vice principal who's got the police um, in his life. I, I, to say poor judgment is, is an obvious statement. You got a, a, a 50-year-old who is arguably the, the number two shot caller at a high school, realizing that kids are wasted on grounds, drunk on grounds, and instead of using the best judgment of calling their parents, he says, you need to leave now in a car and drive. That should make you ask, what, what's going on from top to bottom in the school? And, and, and I think it's very applicable, and I'll weave Judah Wickhauer into the mix here in a matter of moments. I think it's applicable to say the accountability falls on the following parties. First, the accountability undoubtedly falls on the vice principal, who was the adult that was expected to look after the minors. So... Undoubtedly, the accountability falls on Harold Hackney. But I am not willing to give the students involved here a free pass, nor am I willing to give the parents of these students a free pass as well. Interestingly, the Admiral County Police Department has said it will not charge the student who was driving the vehicle while intoxicated. I'm perplexed by that. Is, is, is likely the reason 
because we, we don't have any kind of breathalyzer or tangible evidence on record that this kid was, was drunk driving. It all is conversational or hearsay or perceived or, or, or seen by administrators. I understand that. But an example perhaps could be made in a better capacity than an Almoral County Police Department spokesman saying, we have no interest in pursuing charges of any kind. The parents also should be in the crossfire here. The parents should be in the crossfire on their watch, their scion, their offspring, their children, drinking and then going to school in the daytime. I mean, Judah Wickhauer on a two-shot, and then we'll get to comments, thoughts, perspective, put them in the feed. You and I were talking about this. Johnny Ornalis, hello. Lisa Custolo, the queen of Cherry Avenue, hello. Johnny Ornalis, the owner of El Mariachi in uh, Guadalajara. Johnny's wife, a fantastic educator in Almaro County Public Schools. Um, where do you want to start on this? I mean, like you said, I'm I'm fairly baffled. And as as serious as what the the vice principal did, I I think you know if you're not going to charge the kids, is it really fair to charge the uh, charge the vice principal? Like, if there's no evidence to charge the kids with. Where's your evidence that the vice principal did anything wrong? That's a fair question and an excellent point by Judah Wickhauer. Great point. Great, great point. I mean, yeah, it's you can. Where's the evidence? I, I mean, that's what it comes down to. If you're not gonna, if you're not gonna hold the kids accountable, if you're not gonna call the parents, and which is obviously what he should have done, is yeah. say, "Hey, you've got some kids here. A, we need to have you come in and uh, and." talk about your kids coming into school drunk and B somebody needs to come pick them up because they're not welcome here in this state well said Judah Wickhauer Ray Cadell says fired yes arrested no he's talking the vice principal fired yes we're all in agreement the vice principal at Western should have been fired we got a 50 year old man who chose in the moment to allow a drunk kid to drive other drunk kids home as opposed to say stay in this classroom i'm calling your parents to pick you up yeah okay i we that's the obvious path to the right decision stay in this classroom stay in my office stay in the waiting room of the principal's office i'm calling your parents they're going to pick you up give me the damn keys right now yeah okay that's obvious should the principal have been arrested ray cadell says no what do you think vanessa parkle what do you think, Johnny Arnalis? What do you think, Mike Buchensky, Coach B? What do you think, Lisa Costello? What do you think, John Blair? What do you think, Warrior AG, Deep Throat? Should the principal have been arrested? Judah Wickhauer makes a very good point. If the police department says, we're not going to arrest the kid who drove the other drunk kids home while he or she were drunk himself yeah. or, or herself, okay, I would imagine the police aren't making any arrests because it probably you got no kind of breathalyzer data, any kind of tangible blood alcohol violation proof, because it doesn't seem like the police got involved on this until later in the day or after the driver of the vehicle probably sobered up and their breath and their, I mean, when you're underage, anything above 0.0, anything, any, any read at all is against the law when you're underage. Do we even know that it was drinking? Oh, Judah, making the show better today. What do you, 
intoxicated. What do you think? Could be high. It could have been. Yeah, they could have been. High. I mean, who knows what it was? I, wow, didn't even think about that. Great, great point there. Is it? Could they? They used the word intoxicated. They didn't use the word drunk. Yeah, I mean, it's most likely. It does sound like it was drinking, but clearly nobody here knows. Yeah, and, and, and Coach B says this, and I think, and this is why I'm bringing this up. Mike Buchensky makes the perfect point here. He says, and it's, 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 it's a microcosm of a bigger, larger problem with Almar County Public Schools. Coach Buchensky says, how is any of this a surprise with the current public education system? Yeah. Maria Marshall Barnes says, our children are vaping at school on a daily basis. She also says the vice principal should not be arrested. Kids need to be held accountable as well for their actions. Huge, huge problem in schools today. Slaps on the hand and send them right back to school. It's, it's, it's a top-down systematic failure. And here's yeah. what... Go ahead. And, and here's... To, to build on that, what, uh, what are you... What message are you sending when the kids don't face any, uh, any repercussions and you fire the, the vice principal? Well said. How, how is any teacher going to... Why would any teacher bother with a student at, after this? If you, if you come across a student who's drunk, who's high, who's doing unspeakable things somewhere, why would a teacher not just turn around and walk away? Judah Wickhauer on point this, this and afternoon. That's, and, that's not, and that's not the kind of, that's not the kind of uh, teaching, principling, uh, policing I, want, I would want if my kid was in a school. I would want my kid to be held accountable for their actions because this is a learning institution, and how are they going to learn if they're not being held accountable? Well said. There it is right there. Said it better than I could. Perfectly said. Succinct. And to the point, if you are an educator in the school system right now, why would you go above and beyond after you just saw what happened? Yeah. I mean, granted, here's another question. Granted, we, you know, it seems like he made the wrong choice, but we don't know. Here's I mean, another like, question is how would this have been handled differently if collective bargaining had already been approved? Hmm. If the collective bargaining had have already been approved, would the vice principal... Harold um, Hackney have had a potential lifeline of keeping his job. You mean he might have had somebody on his side in potentially to, to back him through? Certainly this? more leverage. I'm yeah. not saying it's a definite, but potentially. Comments coming in fast and furious um, from the viewers and listeners. Chad Wood, who I believe lives in Western Almaro, says no charges for the kids? Question mark. Wonder why they keep breaking the law. Yeah. Exactly, Judas' point right there. Johnny Ornalis says this. If there are no charges on the kids, there should not be charges on the assistant principal not happy with this decision. I wonder what kind of privilege the kids have that yeah. the principal does not. Maybe that's something we need to highlight. It's, the principal, we'll cut to the chase, is an African-American male here. Yeah. We don't know anything about the kids, but it's worth putting in the, uh, the conversation and trying to figuring this out. Are the kids involved, privileged, wealthy? Of influence? Do their parents have pool? You yeah. got kids who showed Three up questions. to school drunk. You got a kid who drove drunk. Other kids. Well, I'll use the word intoxicated because Judah said it could have been high. 
We don't know yet. Yeah, I mean, we it could don't have been a know. number of things. We, we would think drunk, but we truly don't know. A kid showed up, multiple kids showed up to school intoxicated, inebriated. They then drove one of them inebriated home yeah. and dropped other ones off. And nothing's happening to the kids. Nothing's happening to the kids. Chad Wood says, this is a byproduct of trying to be friends with the kids instead of being disciplined, instead of disciplining the kids. And Chad Wood also says, no way the kids are poor if there aren't any charges. Hmm. I'm a little disappointed if ACPD didn't potentially pursue something. But we've already acknowledged why. How could they pursue it if there's no tangible metric of breaking the law? If there's no breathalyzer or, or, or blood alcohol test that they can utilize to justify a charge or an arrest. Comments, Vanessa Parkhill in Earliesville. Um, I have to agree with you in Judah. If there is no hard evidence to support charging the students, then how could they charge the vice principal? She also says, did the kids receive any school-related discipline? That's a great question. Uh, Albemarle County School Board, Matthew Haas, the superintendent, Dr. Haas, I would encourage you from a perception management standpoint to potentially offer a press release that maybe Philly, Philly G, the school sports spokesman, uh, Philly G, maybe you issue a statement and you say, these kids got in trouble and they're going to be disciplined internally within Almaro County Public Schools from a detention standpoint or something like that. We need to know something has happened. That was the whole problem with the JV football team and the alleged assault in the locker room, Dr. Haas and his cabinet were so silent on the issue that the issue snowballed and became a monumental talking point for the community. Had Dr. Haas and his cabinet, had Philly G, the spokesman for ACPS, have issued a statement saying, we know this happened, we're not going to release these names, but it's going to be handled appropriately to the fullest extent of what we can do as educators within the ACPS structure, that would have been much better perception management, and that story would not have, like, become this, like, three-month behemoth in this community. You agree or disagree with that? I agree. Everybody was looking for information on what happened. Some people were hearing that uh, terrible, terrible things happened. Other people were saying that it was no big deal. And without any reliable source of information, uh, you know, everybody is stuck listening to rumors. Michael Buchensky, <coughs> Coach B, says, Morality and rules no longer apply to public education, Coach B says. Let's not celebrate educational te- or achievements or teach STEM. It's because we want wokeness and that teaches nothing is ever wrong. You celebrate everything that feels good. There is no shame in society anymore and the educators and those in charge of our schools need to break the cycle and show some guts to get back to a better educational system. Coach B, bringing the fire. Mm. Carol Thorpe, the Queen of Jack Jewett. Where's Matt Haas's voice on disciplinary action for these students? Amen. Carol Thorpe. Amen. I'm literally going to respond to this. Amen. Do we think Haas releases a statement? No, it's doubtful. Do we think we get a statement from the school board? Katrina Coulson's the chairwoman. She's come on the show. She did a fabulous job in her interview. She's running for delegate. Katrina Coulson is the chairwoman of the school board and running for delegate. Mm -hmm. Should she release a statement? 
I would think I would think somebody should. Somebody should release a damn statement, right? Yeah. Right? Like uh, uh, I like what Chad Wood says here. Make it make sense. Yeah. There you go, <laughs> make Chad. Make sense. Chad, like, you're on point today, homie. What are you guys doing over there? And and I almost question the entire narrative of this. Like did he really did the vice principal really encourage them to drive? Or was it like, hey, you guys, you guys don't have to, you guys don't have to go home, but you can't stay here the way you are. Wait, did the did the vice principal say this? Was it like this? Oh my gosh, this is a serious issue. These kids are going to get in a lot of trouble. Let me throw them a bone and just let them drive, and hopefully this gets hush hush under the rug and no one finds out about it. Is that what the vice principal did? Did the vice principals do this scenario two? I just gave you the first scenario. Mm-hmm. Here's the second scenario. Good Lord, this is going to be a lot of disciplinary and administrative paperwork. I don't want to deal with this right now. Just send them home. Is it option three, scenario three? One of these kids is from a really rich family. This guy's got influence in his corner. I'm not going to go on the crosshairs of his parents. And is it option four? Is it option four? I just want these kids off grounds here because I'm just trying to get to the end of the day and punch my clock and get some money and go home and drink a couple cold beers. Obviously, I'm stretching that, meaning he basically just wants to leave and he's just doing the, the, the basics of his job. It, it, just, it just, this creates uncertainty and unknown. Yeah. And uncertainty and unknown are terrible feelings or terrible things to conjure when dealing with our children. There are also terrible reasons to fire people. And, and here's, a, here's an, an, another scenario. Uh, like you said, perhaps one of the kids or all the kids were, uh, uh, you know, from... Uh, families of influence? Families of influence and threatened him. Yeah, we don't know. This is the problem with this scenario, and if Dr. Haas and the school board do not release a statement. Philly G, I'm talking to you. Chairwoman Colson, I think you have to issue a statement here. You're running for delegate here. You're the chair of the school board. We've opened up a Pandora's box of mystery. Yeah. And the Pandora's box of mystery has a lot of who, what, when, where, why questions. And when the Pandora's box of mystery is wide open and we're asking those who, what, when, where, why questions, the story becomes larger than reality. And we saw that with the JV football team in the locker room. Now, I don't want to marginalize that. I actually, I've said on the show that I've seen the video. It was, there was a reason they were... Pop by Johnny Law. And, and we've heard from, from uh, influential people who are trustworthy who say they've also seen the video. John! And, and that it JP! Was, and that it was terrible. Yeah. All right. So, more yeah. comments before we go to the next one here. Travis Hackworth in Danville, Virginia. The mayor of Danville fired the principal and not disciplined the student equals teacher retention issues. He's exactly right. Yeah. Fire the principal and do not discipline the students... Uh, teachers and folks that work for Almaro County Public Schools, do you think this school system has your back? You just saw a vice principal get pink slipped. Are you worried about... Without tangible evidence that we know of. Are you worried about losing your job if you get involved? Why support staff, teachers, and anyone that works for Almaro County Public Schools, why would you go above and beyond after this? 
Yeah. Lisa Costello on Cherry Avenue. No breathalyzer, no BAC, only in appearing intoxicated. There is no proof. ACPD, Amaro County Police Department, should have called onto the scene when it happened so they could have taken a breathalyzer right away. Someone called ACPD the next day too late to prove anything. Except, the community agrees here. Yeah. Oh, this is a mess. Almoro County Public Schools cannot stay out of the political crossfire, the police blotter, off the police blotter. They cannot stay out of the front page of the newspaper. The, the last, since, since the, the onset of the pandemic, it has been a dumpster fire. A dumpster fire. SROs, teacher shortage, can't get kids to school on time, bus driver shortage, can't get kids home on time, bus driver shortage. Uh, Glenn Youngkin and McAuliffe, the public school education, and parents shouldn't have a say, McAuliffe saying it. Youngkin exploiting that. It has been a rebranding, coming up with different names of schools, despite entire parent groups and 90% plus in some cases of, of parents at school saying, don't rename our school, don't rebrand it. ACPS does it anyway. The Crozet Gazette articles, the one that talked about the chaos and the madness at Albemarle High School. And the most recent one, the Crozacres that article that talks about the rebranding process and how ACPS had an agenda from day one to change the name of so many of these schools, including Meriwether Lewis. Let's go to the next one, J-Dubs. If you want to go to a one, then we'll weave you back in on a two. Sarah Hill Bachinski says, what happened with the JV football incident? Other than prompting SROs coming back next year, were there any charges filed? Yes, there were. We were right all along, and we were the first to mention this to the community. Charges were filed against the students. Multiple Daily Progress articles have confirmed that students were charged with criminal behavior. Multiple Daily Progress Articles have confirmed what we said in the fall of last year and caught tremendous heat for relaying it to you. Tremendous heat we caught. And it was justified and verified. Thank you for watching the program, Sarah Hill Buczynski. SHB, we love when you watch the show. All right, next topic. Shots fired again. What the heck? This time behind Best Buy and the porn shop. Did you know there was a porn shop in town? No. You didn't know there was a porn shop? No. It's called Ultimate Bliss. The porn oh, shop. yeah, I've heard of that place. Behind Best Buy, Cedar Hill Road, Wayne Avenue. Thank the Lord no one was injured. Why don't we start with the good news, Judah? No one got killed this time. No one died this time. Amen. No one got shot this time. Yeah. The only thing that happened, well, cars parked on the road in this neighborhood in the city of Charlottesville were peppered with bullets. Thank God no one died. Thank God no one got shot. But there's a lot of vehicles today that have gunshot holes in them. You got the map we can put on screen? The map is up. The map is up. Look at Judah Wickhauer. Excellent work, my friend. Judah Wickhauer has put a map on screen. You can see the red circle on screen. This is where shots fired last night. Literally directly behind World Market and Best Buy, Caddy Corner, and just a hop, skip, and a jump from the porno shop. 
right around the corner from uh, Knipe Brothers, maybe the most, um, I'm calling someone, I'm calling something kind of like a dive bar, that's complimentary. I mean dive bar compliment, you don't think that's complimentary? I mean, you know what I mean by that? It both is and it isn't. It's basically saying it's a rundown, dingy bar, but nowadays that is often endearing and approachable. Often, yeah, it's oftentimes a a plus when looking for bars. I would say maybe the most divey of dive bars, Double Horseshoe Saloon, is number one on that list on High Street. I've never been in there, but I believe it. I've been there many times. The Budweiser is ice cold. I mean, it's very good. Dirty Nelly's is a dive bar. That's on my top five. Top five dive bars in Charlottesville, Almaro County. Number one, Double Horseshoe Saloon. Number two, Brothers, Knight Brothers, behind the porno shop. Hmm. Number three, I'll say Dirty Nelly's, owned by Jordan Brunk. Grew up with Jay Brunk. Had a hell of a soccer player. I'd say that's the top three. Double Horseshoe, Brothers Behind the Porn Shop, and Dirty Nellies. What else would be on the short list of dive bars in the community? Mm. That's the short list, right? What am I missing, Chad Wood? I feel like you like some, you like some cold beers and maybe some, some dive bars like I do, Chad Wood. What am I missing? I think that's the top three. Can you even think of another dive bar? I mean, Miller's is kind of a dive bar. Oh, Miller's is on, the, Miller's on that list especially as you go to the third floor. Miller's is on the list. Miller's I'll put in the four slot. Excellent call. Miller's is four. Third floor of Miller's is like the wild, wild west. Have you ever been on the third floor of Miller's? Uh, I know I've been on the second floor. I don't know about the third floor. Ooh, and if- third floor is very different than the first floor. Olivia Branch, the queen of Keswick, and Chad Wood of Crozet are all saying Miller's at the same time with exclamation points. Third floor of Miller's is like the wild, wild west. I spent many a nights up at Miller's on the third floor. All right, let's get back to the shots fired. You want to hear something crazy? I almost didn't want to talk about the shots fired behind Best Buy and around the corner from the porno shop because no one got hurt or killed. So I was basically going to be like, is this even meritable as a topic in the rundown because no one got killed or hurt? I'm pretty sure that's called apathy. Or that's called being desensitized to gun violence. When you say a shootout on a neighborhood street didn't result in anyone getting shot or killed, so maybe we won't talk about it right now. Yeah. That's terrible. And that just shows how prolific the gun violence has become, that it's breeding a feeling of Mm. apathy, desensitized... Yeah. Right? What do you think, viewers and listeners? What do you think, Olivia, or Vanessa, or Chad? What do you think, Janice Boyce Trevilian, Albert Graves, Dylan's Rule? What do you think, JB, and Deep Throat? I'll get to comments here. Dylan's Rule says, Judah nails it. What in the H-E double hockey sticks? How are you charging the assistant principal and not the kids who allegedly drove drunk? Dylan's Rule also says this. Oh, this is an excellent quote. We didn't highlight this. Dylan's Rule on Twitter says this. I'm going to quote retweet this one. 
damn good comment. Quote, retweet. Send it on Twitter. He says, Jerry and Judah, did you guys notice the dates? This allegedly occurred on March 6th. The arrest occurred on March 22nd. Why does it take 16 days? Hmm. What do you make of that? Yeah. I mean, talk about lack of evidence. Uh, when, when, the, when this entire thing revolves around kids being intoxicated, what evidence are you collecting? I mean, it, t- it says that the, the article says that the, uh, the uh, ACPD's Criminal Investigations Division charged the, uh, the vice principal after their own investigation. So, I, I mean, they wouldn't be charging him if they didn't have something, right? I mean, they're not fools. What, did they, what do they have? Do they have... Is the extent of what they have hearsay? Or did he admit? Did he, Even if he admitted. Well, did I he mean, admit? Did he say, I did this? Did he confess and say, I did this? Maybe that's what it is. He confessed and he said, I know this is what happened. He may have. But I mean, he basically still, did but, when he called the parents. But I still don't know how you have any proof that the kids were drunk cut warrior ag on twitter if those kids weren't from old trail and wickham's pond blood would have been drawn and charges would have been pressed and since no charges were filed what's the merit of firing the vice principal in my opinion there's none albert graves excellent comment per use i love when you watch on twitter deep throat Ah, thank you, Deep Throat. He says, admins are not part of the union typically. Hmm. That goes back to my comment, if collective bargaining would be in play, or if it was in play and it was already approved, would the vice principal have had potentially more leverage with collective bargaining in a union to keep his job? He says, admins are not part of the union typically. Thank you, Deep Throat. He also says, seems like a waste to arrest rather than just fire him, not like he's going to be a danger to the community. Right. Yeah, this guy ain't a danger to the community. Yeah. We're definitely not going to say he's a danger to the community. Queen of Keswick, Olivia Branch, for Judah and I, we are more sensitive than before to any level of gun usage. Shots fired always outweigh loss of life. Sadly, it's a new day. Hmm. Oh, Carol Thorpe says this. Wow. They haven't done them for a few years, but the radio sales, the radio commercials for Ultimate Bliss around Christmas time used to creep me out. <laughs> Nothing like sitting those. in the dentist's office and Z95.1 comes on and Sherry Taylor's talking about, uh, oh, I gotta, I, I'll stop. I probably stop. don't want to go there. I'll stop. <laughs> Z95.1, I'm getting my teeth clean. Let me tell you about the porno shop Ultimate Bliss. My name is Sherry Taylor for $39.95. You can buy... Not going to go there. (laughs) Oh, God. Carol, thank you. That was the best part of the day right there. Carol Thorpe, you want to fill in the blank? You're you're basically saying I should not fill in the blank. Need help completing your dungeon? Oh, God. Anything you want to add on Cedar Hill Road, Wade Avenue, 
Mike Kotchis, Charlottesville Police Department, more gun violence? I mean, I don't know what there is to say. It's, what else can we say about this? I think, uh, you know, I think Kotchis is, I don't want to say hunting down. I, I, think he's, uh, I think he's doing his job, rounding people up. Uh, obviously, there's only so much you can do before the fact. Um, but, uh, but I, I think the more, the more word gets out that people are getting arrested and the more the police have a chance to, to be in the community and work, I think the less we'll, we'll see a lot of this stuff going on. And, and as I was, as I was wanting to say before, I think we need to support groups like, uh, the Buck Squad and, and other people who are going out there and, Talking to uh, to kids, young adults, uh, you know, I, they need someone in their life who will speak wisdom into them before they, you know, before they start running around with guns. There you go. Judah Whitcar is on point. A um, couple comments before we go to the next topic. Um, thank you, Jerry and Judah from Dylan's Rule on Twitter. Some journalism outlet really needs to explore this date discrepancy. Something seems very odd, as Judah says. How in the world do you get evidence in a case like this, alleged drunk driving, days later? Yeah. Albert Graves on Twitter, it's still scary as hell that people think it's okay to ride around Charlottesville and spray bullets, especially when stray bullets, sprayed stray bullets, don't know distance or names. Yeah. Jennifer Nunley Hucks on one of the 15 Facebook pages this show is airing on. I have already moved one of my three children out of ACPS, and it was the best decision I ever made. She also says, wow, there's a lot of comments here. Um, she also says, I was sleepless for over two years due to the state of ACPS. We moved where we did over 20 years ago due to the excellent schools. This has changed, and it changed prior to COVID. Jennifer Nunley Hawks, a mother of three, who has removed one of her three students out of ACPS because she is not pleased with the results she is seeing. Um, all right, let's go to the next topic, J-Dubs. We talk on this program often about topics that are tough, topics that are difficult to swallow. And this is one that's difficult to swallow for a lot of people. Villas at Southern Ridge, I'll set the stage. And I'll put in, and I'll, I'll caveat this. I have a rental at the Villas at Southern Ridge. The first place I ever bought in Central Virginia was a three bedroom, two bath condo in the Villas at Southern Ridge. And Villas at Southern Ridge is down Fifth Street Extended off of Old Lynchburg Road. Back in the day, this was a, an incredibly sketchy part of town that was crime-ridden. It was an apartment complex that was low income, and it constantly had police on site. It was the Villas of Southern Ridge, across from Oak Hill Mart, across from a trailer park, a lot of crime. But a developer by the name of Bart Fry from Virginia Beach came to Charlottesville with a lot of money during the condo conversion craze of the... 2005, 2006, 2007, 2008, 2009 window, before the market hit the you-know-what. 
So this guy with stacks of paper from Virginia Beach says, I want to deploy some capital and I want to get a return on, on my investment. I'm going to buy this apartment complex and I'm going to rebrand this apartment complex, the villas at Southern Ridge, and I'm going to convert these apartments into condominiums. And he did this in the couple years before the market hit the, the crapper. Okay, So I purchased in phase one of a five-phase development in like the 2007-2008 range, arguably one of the worst times in American history to purchase real estate. So I buy in phase one how it was marketed and branded to potential purchasers. Each phase was going to have $5,000 of built-in appreciation. If you bought it phase one, you got a three-bedroom, two-bath condominium that had an, a, a den, an office, 1,200 square feet or so for $182,000 roughly. My, I think I closed at about $182K. I think I was 25 at the time. Bart Fry then said, if you buy in phase one, it's 182, phase two, 187, phase three, 192, phase four, 197, phase five, 203, you get my drift. 202, $5,000 increments. Long story short, the market hit the crapper. So they only made it to like phase two, maybe phase three. Then Bart Fry, this developer from Virginia Beach, made a decision. He said, I need to pivot my model and change my for sale office at the Villas at Southern Ridge to a for rent office because these condo units are not selling. The market has changed. It's crashed. So he takes his portfolio of condominiums. Instead of saying, you're going you're gonna to buy these from me, he says, I'm going to put a rental tag on them. And that's pretty much how he navigated the crash. Until this day, and until this day, Bart Fry, the developer from Virginia Beach, still owns a lion's share of the units at Villas at Southern Ridge and is renting them because he's making so much money. Long story short, the units that Bart does not own, but the units that are owned by, say, retail investors or, or, or units owned by first-time homeowners or, or, or landlords or small-time guys, people like me, they're starting to come on the market. Because this is what's happening. The interest rate environment has gotten so expensive and the cost of inventory has gotten so expensive, it now has put a priority on condominium inventory because it's the entry price point. It's affordable. As rates rise and as assessments go up and as values of real estate go up, it's difficult to buy stuff. So you start looking for lower price points. And that's what the Villas at Southern Ridge is. Basically what I'm telling you now is the entry, if you want a three-bedroom, two-bath home in Almaro County or Charlottesville, Virginia, the city, you're going to probably be buying at the villas, and it's $235,000. It's not a detached product. It's an attached product. So I want to weave Judah Wickhauer into the mix, and I want to ask you this question, and you, the viewer and listener, this question as well. What does a $235,000 entry point for a starter home that's a condo in Charlottesville and Almaro County mean to you? What's it mean to you? I'll get your take, Judah. Before I get your take, I'm going to relay the take of John Blair because I found it thought-provoking like a lot of John's stuff is. John Blair says this. The $235,000 entry point means this. 
$47,000 upfront is a 20% down payment for the smallest ownership interest you can have in Seville. And given that letting standards are going to get tighter after Silicon Valley Bank and after Credit Suisse, you better have very good credit. What that effectively means is this. Charlottesville is about to become a rental locality. Less than 40% of people are going to be homeowners in 2028. I'd peg that number right at 37%. I keep telling people that Charlottesville has passed the point of no return in terms of wealth inequality. If you don't have parents to help you with a down payment, how many couples who aren't already homeowners are going to save enough to make 47000 down payment? He also says over 90% of equities and bonds are held by the top 10% of income earners. The only way for the bottom 90% of income earners to build wealth is through property ownership. If property ownership is foreclosed for two-thirds of the city population, and I really believe that number is true, John says, then you've effectively locked in the haves and have-nots for a generation. Yeah. Show is yours. Anywhere you want to go. 100%. Um, and, you know, it was very telling. I was looking at the, uh, at the listing that you sent, and I scrolled down and went to property history. Uh, property price. Uh, 2006. This uh, same property, and here I'm going to put a picture of the uh, um, the villas up on the screen. Uh, 2006, uh, the property sold for 170,000. 2018, 12 years later, the property actually went down and sold for 165,000. And now, five years after that, as you said, it's being listed at 235,000, which is just, I mean. Obviously, we know it's insanity. It's it's nice for people living in some of these places to you know obviously see uh, appreciation appreciation in your uh, in your investment. But really, as I as I think a lot of people have seen, what do you do with that when uh, when rates are this high? When uh, you know when other pro you can't you. Can't, you can't move out of your place and move up to a bigger place because it's going to be far more expensive than it would have been, what, just five years ago. Deep Throat says this. Good take, Judah. 180 k in 2008, 235000 today, way below general inflation, seems quite cheap. The $235,000, if you want a three-bedroom and a two-bath, there's your entry point in Charlottesville and Almaro County. That's the floor, 235. And I want to put this in perspective for you. I mentioned this on Real Talk. I, considered, I am still considering selling my rental. We don't have any debt on this. There's an opportunity to make $225,000. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Why well, I would consider doing this. Oh, yeah. There's an opportunity for me to put a couple hundred thousand dollars in the bank. Oh, yeah. Okay. You're basically locking in your, uh, locking in your gains. Keith Smith, friend of the program, star of Real Talk with Keith Smith, did a CMA for me a couple of weeks ago, competitive market analysis on my rental at the Villas at Southern Ridge. That CMA came in at $226,000. This shows you how fast the market is moving. Mm -hmm. That CMA came at $226,000. Ten days after getting that CMA, the market had moved 4%. $235,000 condo listed 
goes under contract within seven days of list price. So that, that's the new number for my unit, 235. I got the CMA from Keith. It was correct. He yeah. did it 100% right. The right. comps showed 226. Within 10 days, it went up to 235. Yeah. That's how fast the market is moving around this town. It's tough to sell because I would have to 1031 exchange that 235 and finding properties that I can funnel that 235 in a 1031 exchange. It's difficult because there's not that much on the market that which is kind of leading me to holding the property. Anyway. Yeah. Why would you why would you want to go from one property to another unless you somehow thought there was something that was just going to skyrocket in price. Well, and, and to, to minimize tax exposure, you really want to use a 1031 exchange when selling an investment property like this. And just the problem is with the 1031 exchange, there's not a lot of inventory on the market for me to shortlist. That's the problem I'm having here. So there's your number. You want a three-bedroom, two, you want a three-bedroom, two-bath in Charles Fort Admiral County, and a lot of people do. That's the starter home footprint for a lot of people. It allows you to have a place for you and your partner it allows you to have a room for one of your kids, a second room for your second kid, or another, or, or the third rooms utilized for guests. The three-bedroom, two-bath is what folks want. $235,000 is the number right now. We'll see what that number is this summer, this fall, and this winter, and if it's gone up or down. I would bet you it goes up. I would bet you it goes up. Next topic on the program, we're, we're, we're being productive today. I like it, Judah. Most powerful person in Charlottesville. This came up because I talked, um, wave to that guy, um, hello, <laughs> um, I talked about how Woodard Properties earlier in the week, in the beginning of the week, the Woodard family will determine the future of Fifeville. There's mm -hmm. not a single person that owns more land in Fifeville than the Woodard family, a single family than Woodard. UVA obviously owns a good chunk of Fifeville as well, yeah. hospitals there. But as a private entity, it's the Woodard family. They have arguably the most important parcel on Fifeville, the Kim's Market, the whole IGA, and they're trying to figure out what the best use of the Kim's Market parcel is for the neighborhood, but also for profitability purposes for their business, Woodard Properties. So the Woodard family, Anthony Woodard in particular, who seems to be running a lot of the day-to-day -day operations now, is essentially utilizing the news to politic and say, look, you're going to have to cut us a break on the affordable housing requirements here if you want us to be amenable to bringing a grocery. He's basically playing the, the political game. He, 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 Woodard Properties can, can build this project by right, and by right would be 47 luxury units for rent and commercial real estate at, at, at fair market value, which would be extremely costly and expensive, especially since it's brand new. Mm -hmm. So because of me relaying, relaying that to you, viewers and listeners have asked me, who's the most powerful person in this area? I also talked about Jim Ryan issuing the statement the night of the Ellywood Avenue murder from this past weekend and how Jim Ryan did a call to action saying Tim Longo's on this, J.J. Davis, the COO of UVA, is on this, and Almoral County Police and Charlottesville Police will be on this too. Jim Ryan basically used a call to action for, for three police departments and a chief operating officer and said, they're going to make figure this out. So this got the, the, the viewer and listenership thinking, who's the most powerful person in this community? 
Mm-hmm. And I want to spitball some names with you. First, I think we need to identify the definition of power. What is the definition of power? Is the definition of power influence? Is the definition of power immediate results? Is the definition of power money? What is the definition of power? Is the definition of power political clout? Is political clout influence? Is the def- what is the definition? For me, the definition of power is someone that could create tangible results in a short period of time that greatly impacts the community. I think that's the definition of power. When one person has the ability to do something incredibly influential or impactful or tangible that changes the landscape or character or future of a community. Obviously, Jim Ryan has that, has that power. Jim Ryan has how many people working for him? I don't even know how many people work for UVA. Can you find out how many people work for UVA, if you could, please? I have no idea. But Jim Ryan has the largest workforce in Central Virginia. Jim Ryan has his own police force. Jim Ryan has his own media news PR division. Jim Ryan has a lot of influence over an endowment that's what, 13, 14, 15 billion dollars. Jim Ryan has the governor's ear. Jim Ryan has state senator ears, congressman ears, delegate ears. Jim Ryan... Between academic and administrative staff, there are roughly 9,500... Jim Ryan has a workforce of 9,500 people, according to what Judah just found online. Jim Ryan can have the greatest influence in this community in the shortest period of time. Because of the workforce, the access to capital, the political clout, the PR media division the police force. It's the city of UVA. I'd say he can do the most in the shortest period of time that will change the future of this community. The top five, however, is a difficult list to assemble. We'd be crazy not to put Corin Capshaw on this list in some capacity. Corin Capshaw, famed Dave Matthews manager, founder of Red Light, now a developer. He's got his hands in so many things we probably don't even know about. He's on this list in some capacity. Restaurant owner, the guy who brings the pavilion to the downtown mall, a guy who rehabilitates the Jefferson Theater, a guy that has access to music venues all over the country, owns a handful of them here in Central Virginia. I believe the owner of Bonnaroo, Corin Capshaw, the guy behind Music Today, Tickets Today, the guy who basically has created e-commerce and merchandise sales for musicians. Literally, he invented this. He has got to be on that short list. I think a guy like friend of the program, Joffrey Woodruff, is on this short list. Mm -hmm. Very DL. Owns a boatload of real estate. the largest donor in UVA history. 
built a world-class squash facility. The creator of the code building on the downtown mall, mm. which is now the most iconic building downtown. Yeah. A benefactor at levels that we don't even know. Central Virginia Boys and Girls Club, private school donations, UVA donations. He's on this short list. Unassuming guy, great dude, incredibly influential. That's three for you. Who else you put on this short list? Carol Thorpe, who's on this list? This is a, this is a list you would know well. Jojo Robertson, who's on this list? Olivia Branch, who else you think is on this list? What do you think, Vanessa and Jennifer? I know this may not necessarily be up your alley here, but who, who else you think is on this list? How about you, Deep Throat? Oh, Deep Throat's got a good comment right here. The most powerful people are not the wealthy, at least post-2017. <laughs> Legal Aid Justice Center push through the extreme rezoning from beginning to end. Angela, oh, I'm going to mess her last name up. Angela Kioffi is maybe the most powerful relative to how powerful she ought to be. Interesting. It's a good comment from you. Who do you got on this list, Judah? I mean, I think you named the big ones. Uh, I, I mean, we've got to put Keith Woodard and Woodard on here. Yeah, well, that, I mean, that, that would definitely much, be my first, uh, my first name. Keith Woodard and the Woodard family are pretty much going to determine the future of Fifeville. You got a local developer who made tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars by being strategic, by hedging risk, and by buying, selling, and developing real estate <coughs> that now essentially has the keys to the future of a historically black neighborhood. Yeah. Think about that. <coughs> White dude busted his tail, bought a lot of real estate, sold some real estate, developed some real estate, now in charge of the future of a historically black neighborhood. That's what's happening. Olivia Branch says Tobias Dangle should be on this list, the CEO and co-founder of Willow Tree, who mm -hmm. recently unicorned his company, selling for a billion plus dollars. The app company and Woolen Mills. Olivia Branch, that's a good one. Mm -hmm. uh, word on the street is Tobias Dangle has built a ridiculous house. And ridiculous house, brand new construction, Tobias Dingle, a house of one percenter proportions in this area. Hmm. Congratulations on your success, too, to, uh, Tobias. Nothing but respect. I will never throw shade on anyone who has success beyond the wildest expectations when they earn that success. 
Tobias Dangle on that list. Carol Thorpe's got a comment. I'm glad Carol's commenting on this. Carol Thorpe says, oh, Jamie Turner says Paul Manning. Paul Manning's on that list. Great call, dude. Jamie Turner, Paul Manning's on that list. Paul Manning, uh, PBM fame Paul Manning, literally owns most of the town of Gordonsville, certainly downtown Gordonsville. Paul Manning, the guy, dairy market money. His son-in-law, Chris Henry, developed dairy market, the old Monticello dairy. Paul Manning and his family own, I believe, a good chunk of the, uh, the Preston Square Plaza across from Dairy Market. They own a good chunk of that. Mm. believe they bought the laundromat next to Dairy Market, the Manning family did. They bought that laundromat. Paul Manning's on that list. You go to Dairy Market, there's one space that has a sign on it, reserved for Paul Manning. There you go. That's power. <laughs> You have a parking lot that you own. I wonder the income they produce through that parking lot at Dairy Market. Yes, they're getting good rent from the stalls, the food vendors, and the store. Yeah. But what's the income they're producing from that parking lot? The first hour is free. Every hour thereafter is $2.50. And there's a boatload of spaces there, and they're always full. Good call, JT. I'm going to respond to that. That's a damn good call. Paul Manning's on that list. Great call, dude. I just replied to JT. Repping the pep and call pepper. Um, Carol Thorpe says Wendell Wood, the largest landowner in Albemarle County. He's on that list. That's a great call. Wendell Wood. Dr. Hurt at one time was on that list. Not anymore. Dr. Hurt was on that list one time. I was having a... What's that Greek liquor? I always forget. Is it Sambuca? Uzo? Is it Uzo or Sambuca? Sambuca is rum, isn't it? Uzo? Is that, Greek? is that the Greek liquor? Uzo? Is it? Yeah, maybe Uzo. it was Uzo. Okay. Yeah. yeah, it was Uzo. I recognize the bottle. I'm sitting in the back of Jack and Jill's after closing. I've told this story before. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm trying to buy a, uh, a piece of real estate from Zanice, who owns Jack and Jill's on High Street. He also lives in Glenmore, Zanice. Zanice is the guy that has the white Mercedes-Benz two-door, real beautiful-looking car, always parked in front of Jack and Jill's. Hmm. And I'm trying to buy a piece of real, real estate from Zanice, and he says, come over to Jack and Jill's, wait till after closing. So we're at Jack and Jill's. Sugar, how long ago was this? This was like 10 years ago. 10 years ago? This was 2014, so nine years ago. I'm sitting at Jack and Jill's with Zanice, and he says, I'm, I invited a buddy to come and sit and talk with us and do the negotiation because my English isn't so great. That's what Zanice says. The buddy is Dr. Charles Hurt. So it's me, 2014, so I'm like a kid. And on one side of the booth, and Dr. Hurt on the other side of the booth, and Zanice on the other side of the booth, Zanice bust out a bottle of Ouzo and some paper cups, you know, those little paper tiny cups um, that have kind of like wax on them, the little yeah. tiny cups, Dixie cups. Yeah, I know so what you're talking about. three little Dixie cups, bottle of Ouzo, he bust out a pack of Greek cigarettes, no circulation in this damn room. We're drinking the ouzo. I'm not even like, I'm like, all right, don't show a face that you don't like this ouzo. 
just drink this ouzo and be tough. Dr. Hertz across from me in a blue blazer and a tie that's half mask. He's got a mustard stain on his tie and he's got a hole in his blue blazer and one of the gold buttons on his blue blazer was missing. And we're passing a napkin back and forth while Zanise is chain-smoking Greek cigarettes. And I'm drinking ouzo out of a Dixie cup. We're passing a napkin back and forth, negotiating taste, a piece of real estate in $5,000 increments. That's a true story. Does it taste like Jaeger? I don't remember it tasting like Jaeger. It's supposed to be uh, black licorice flavored. I don't remember it tasting like Jaeger. Frankly, all I remember from this <laughs> is not being able to breathe because of the cloud of Greek cigarette smoke all over me all over me. We ended up agreeing in principle to a deal, but then two days later, Zanise's daughter, who was a minority owner in the piece of property that I was trying to buy, kiboshed the deal by getting mm-hmm. her father's ear. And then I didn't buy that property and ended up buying in the Macklin building on Market Street. True story. Literally, that literally happened. Negotiation with Wendell Wood, or excuse me, Dr. Charles Hurt. I will never forget the mustard stain on his tie, the hole in his blue blazer, and the gold button missing from the blue blazer as well. He said to me in that meeting that you cannot enter or leave. Dr. Hurt told me in 2014, he goes, you cannot enter or leave Albaro County without driving by one of my pieces of property. He said that to me, stone cold Steve Austin. He wasn't even bragging, dude. He just looked at me, he goes, you know, Jerry, you cannot enter or leave Albaro County without driving one of my, by one of my pieces of property. And I said, well, how about that, Dr. Hurt? Okay, <laughs> that's good to know, sir. Anything you need, okay. Literally. James Watson says, Tony Bennett, Johnny Dewberry, the extorting emperor of empty lots, Mark Brown, Charles Lewis Jr., Chris Long, and Corin Capshaw. Lisa Custolo says, John Kluge, when he was living, was wealthy and a powerful man. His son, John Kluge, is still living here. His son, John Kluge, has come on this program a couple of times. I run, run into him from time to time in the Keswick area. Um, Jason, uh, James Watson and Lisa Costello, good comments today. We, we appreciate you, King of Orbit and Queen of Cherry Avenue. All right, next topic. Best and worst things I've seen on Twitter all day. New segment of the show. We'll close with this. Each day, I'm going to take a screenshot of something I saw on Twitter and put it on screen. Today, we're going to go live with two screenshots, one from Elliot Harding, the Esquire, and one from Mary McIntyre, the educator and the collective bargaining stakeholder in Almoral County Public Schools. If we could put Elliot's on screen first, let me know when that's on screen. What's up? This is Elliot Harding's tweet. This is very odd. It's hilarious. Elliot Harding is waxing. Someone tag Elliot Harding. Someone get Elliot Harding in the mix. Elliot, are you watching? Elliot, I found this tweet truly hilarious. It was one of the highlights of my day yesterday. Tanisha Hudson, the activist, went before Charlottesville City Council when Heather Hill, the former counselor, was on the dais, and Tanisha Hudson accused Heather Hill, the counselor, of eating dry-ass salads. That's the best kind of shade. When you get on a microphone in front of city council during a city council meeting and you throw shade at someone's dry-ass salads, Tanisha Hudson throwing shade at Heather Hill's dry-ass salads. You put that screenshot on there? 
Yeah. That's Elliot Hart, you're getting props on the program. Give Elliot some love. I like how often he thinks about it. Um, now, the second one, today, today I'll, I'll, I'll have two um, best things I've seen on Twitter. This is from Mary McIntyre. Why don't you put Mary's up? It's up. Mary's is up. Look at the screen for Mary McIntyre's. Mary McIntyre is an Almoral County Public School educator. She is a collective bargaining stakeholder and leader. She says this, the unintended consequences of starting to do the family life education classes with all genders together. PE and health teachers tell me nobody is asking any questions. They say normally the kids ask quite a few questions, but teaching these giant combined groups, it's just silence. Then she says later that the kids are not going to learn the information from educators. They're going to learn it on TikTok, and that's unfortunate. Here's what she's saying. Mary McIntyre. Thank you for your tweet, Mary. I read a lot of your, read just about all your tweets, Mary McIntyre. She's saying the sex ed classes have been combined. Yeah. Boys and, and girls together, and they don't want to, they're embarrassed to talk around each other. Yeah. Just, right? How could you not have predicted that? Exactly. <laughs> I think we predicted that on this show. That if we take 13 and 14-year-olds and 15-year-olds, boys and girls, and we combine the sexual education classes and have boys and girls in the same class together, of course they're going to be bashful when we're talking about penises and vaginas. Yeah. Right? They're children. Sex ed is supposed to be by sex. So you can ask questions without being embarrassed in front of your counterparts. Yeah. This is, what did you just say? You said it perfectly. How could we not have predicted that? Yeah. How? What the heck? What is the school system continuing to make poor decisions? It's okay to leave grounds. You're wasted. Drive your wasted buddies home. Let's get the 14-year-olds, boys and girls, all in the same class and talk about penis and vagina. Let's not tell the community what happened with an alleged sexual assault in a locker room after JV football. And let them make up in their minds much worse happenings. Uh, Let's not get the, school, the, the kids to school on time. They can show up 90 minutes late. Who cares? Let's not prioritize learning. For children in third grade of color, let's, let's watch as they slip behind their, their peers across the commonwealth. Let's take books off the library and prioritizing renaming schools as opposed to performance in, in classrooms. Come on. All right. That's the show. Chad Wood. If it sounds stupid, let's do it. Chad Wood. Chad Wood, you made the show better today, dude. Is he saying that schools are like frat bros? Ooh, finish that thought. If it sounds stupid, let's do it. There you go. And that's the I Love Seville show on a Thursday. For Judah, J-Dubs, Wickhauer, my name is Jerry Miller. We did the best we could with what we had today. We'll see you tomorrow at 1230. That's hilarious.